welcome to Ridgecrest Baptist. We thank you for listening. Now, here is this week's message. I want to encourage you to open your Bibles this morning to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. Philippians chapter 3 verse 12. Our text is going to take us through chapter 4 verse 1. And we're heading toward the end of our sermon series entitled Be the Church. Just a couple of more after today and then we'll move on. But we're always wanting Remember the concepts that we've learned and we need to always remember the, the value of being the church. And today I want to talk about being the church forward. And this is a great text of scripture. And the reason it's such a wonderful text is it's already been spoken of by Pastor Kevin today. And that is we have all made mistakes in life. We all have regrets. The longer you live, uh, the more that will resonate with you. And we've all made mistakes and we've we've also all been hurt by somebody else. And this text addresses both the the things we've done to make mistakes in our life and the people we've hurt, but also um, how we have been hurt ourselves. And so Paul is going to begin in verse 12 by saying that he has not obtained it. And to understand what the it is, you have to go back to verse 8 where he says that his his great desire in life is to have the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus as his personal Lord. And so when he says it, he's referring to knowing Christ. Verse 12, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude, and if and if in, in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk of whom I often told you and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even, even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown in this way, in this way, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. Be the church forward. Hey, I don't know about you, but one of the things that I love to watch is anybody who can do something better than anybody else. And I especially am amazed for, at, at great athletes who are, have reached the peak of their sport and so for me, I was thinking, I really enjoy watching 
people in the Olympics because they're the very best of the best. And I especially enjoy the Summer Olympics because I love to watch uh, the track and field events. And what I really, in particular, look forward to in the Summer Olympics is the, the, the sprinters. That 100-meter sprint. When I was a little kid, I always wanted to be able to run fast, and I enjoyed running fast. And I was pretty fast, but there was always like somebody that was faster, but it was always fun to race. But there's nothing like watching the fastest men in the world race each other. And one of the things that's been a real amazing thing to watch is in the last decade or so is this, this famous sprinter named Hussein Bolt. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If you're bored and your name is Bolt, you were made to run. I mean, he's the world record holder in the 100 meter and the 200 meters. And if you remember, this guy, he was, uh, he was six feet five inches tall. And to watch him run was really a thing of beauty. He was um, able to run at top speed of 28 miles per hour. So sometime when you're in a safe place, preferably not our parking lot, when you leave here today, you can uh, just ride in your car at 28 miles an hour and imagine being able to run that fast. And so uh, I enjoyed, I loved to watch him run. But what I, what I realized about Hussein Bolt was when he was running in the races leading up to the gold medal, the gold medal race, you have to win your preliminary heats. He actually didn't even try that hard. I mean, he would just run, you know, probably at 80 or 90 percent because he knew he was going to win. So why, you know, run too hard? And he would even as he ran down those um, lanes, he would turn and look over his shoulder. and Just kind of see how far ahead he was of everybody else. But when it, what I noticed was, and we were watching him run in his world record breaking attempts, and when he came down to... To run that final sprint for the, the world record against, for the gold medal against the very fastest men in the world. And he knew he couldn't just run at 80 or 90 percent. He got serious. And when we watched him run in that, that race on YouTube, we were talking, we were looking at it. One thing I noticed about him when he broke the world record was he didn't look over either shoulder. He didn't look back. The whole time he ran Facing forward. When Paul says in here that he wants to strain for the prize of the upward call of God, he's using a word picture that pictures that sprinter that's running facing forward, giving all he has to run for the prize for the gold medal. And that type of effort is what Paul is saying that every believer needs to bring to the Christian life for the glory of God. And that's really the essence of the message in our text this morning is that the title being the church forward, we've got to run facing forward for the glory of God, putting all of our energy and all of our focus on knowing Christ, looking forward to his kingdom, serving him today in preparation for eternity and for the heavenly realm that's coming. And the problem is that we have a tendency to run at 80 or 90 percent and look over our shoulders. And we have a tendency to kind of look behind us too much and not give all uh, of our effort. We have a tendency to look backwards and say, you know, we've made some mistakes in the past or some things have happened to us in the past that are going to keep me from being able to be all that God wants me to be. 
And so, you know, all of us probably could say, I've made some bad decisions in life. And I talk to Christians all the time that say something like, I've, I've made such poor decisions in life that I really can't recover from it at this point. I can't really do anything for the Lord. Or oftentimes they'll say, God won't forgive me. And really, it's God will forgive them, but they won't forgive themselves. And oftentimes, too, I've, I hear people say, you know, I've uh, kind of reached a point in my life where I'm letting, um, I'm kind of retiring from the Christian life. I'm not going to do a whole lot anymore. I'm just going to kind of cruise to the finish line of my life. But the most common thing that I encounter and the thing that I really want to talk about today is the Christian or the person who, maybe you're a Christian, maybe you're not a born-again Christian, but you've been hurt by somebody who was a Christian or somebody in the church. And so a lot of people... So they want to keep the church at arm's length and just not really ever get involved in serving, not get involved and not give all of their effort to the kingdom of God that's here on earth, that is the local church. And so really they want to say, you know, I just kind of want to do Christianity without the local church and I want to um, kind of keep other Christians at arm's length. So my, my encouragement to you today is to realize... What God is saying to you today is that you want to cling to the good memories of the past that motivate you to live faithfully, but you want to abandon and forgive and forget those things that have hurt you and press on to the the Christian life that God is calling you to today. And so the essence of this text is really the words, I I press on. In, In verse 12, he says, I press on. He repeats that in verse 14, I press on. My question to you today is, are you pressing forward in the Christian life? You know, Paul had been a believer for 25 years at this point. So I'm speaking to followers of Christ. I'm speaking to people that have had a a second birth, a spiritual rebirth. Where Paul in himself had been this um, follower of Christ and, and not just following, but passionately following Christ. And yet he was saying... And I want to to do more. I want to know Christ more. His life orientation was a relationship with Christ. And here's what I want to get across. He didn't just say that. He actually began to put a plan of action uh, together. He was had a strategy for growing in Christ, for moving forward. And that strategy has been inscripturated for us for the purpose for us to use the same strategy today. And that's what we're going to do for the next few minutes. We're going to look at Paul's plan to press forward to know Christ. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to prick our hearts and show us what areas of our own life we need to align with God's Word. And we're going to look at five ways to press on to know Christ more. And I'm going to give you a time of a decision at the end of this to make changes to your life and to open the altar. This would be a wonderful day for you to come to the altar and say, we're going to make this altar today a place where of decision and not and again, not just a person who's looking to get saved. And obviously, if you're here today and you're trusting and you're being a good person and you're saying, I'm a pretty good person, then the Bible would say that you have to be born again. That's where the Christian life begins. That's what it means to follow Christ and to actually have eternal life. And so I know that many of our Ridgecrest people have made that decision. So today I want to encourage you to make a decision today about being the church moving forward. That the, that the, your most passion 
that your most desire to live for God would be the days ahead of you, not the days behind. You know, if you're a born-again Christian, if, if the Spirit of God indwells you, this should resonate with you. There should be something in you that's saying, you know what, I need to, I need to do this. I need to, I need to live my life for the glory of God. I need to live my life as if I'm a citizen, citizen of heaven, not of earth. And so I would encourage you today just to ask, if this is not resonating with you, why? Why is it not, why are you not stirred by the desire to grow in Christ? Because you should be. And it should bother you if you're not uh, wanting to become a, a better Christian and be a better follower of Christ. You know, the Bible gives us a transcendent purpose. It helps us to live beyond just going through life, doing the things that are uh, paying bills and surviving. It gives us a, it, the, the purpose is the prize that Paul is talking about here. So I want to encourage you today to make a decision that you're going to run for the prize. And you can do that by looking at these five ways. And the first of these five ways that will help you is, number one, on your handout, you have to press forward today. First, admitting you actually have a need to grow as a follower of Christ. I mean, the simple foundation of everything we're going to talk about for the next few minutes is, is saying, this is not for my brother, it's not for my sister, it's not for the guy or gal that's not here, it's for me. That God is speaking to me. And that you should have inside of you this sense that, yes, I still have room to grow. And we should feel that because in verse 12, the Apostle Paul was arguably the greatest follower of Christ that's ever lived. I mean, the true Hussein Bolt of Christianity. He was the champion, if you will. And he says, I have not already obtained this. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect. So if Paul was still growing, then that would mean that we, were, we are still growing. And the context that he's delivering this into is a context where there were people called Judaizers who were teaching that it was possible for you to become perfect by following the law of the Old Testament. And that you didn't really need um, to do uh, Paul's gospel, you needed to be a Jew. And so part of the problem was this false teaching that was sort of floating around ancient Greece and Turkey at this time, saying that you can follow the laws and be perfect. And Paul has, has really attacked this as a false gospel. And what's happening in this church, in, in the Philippian church, the church at Philippi, these people are thinking they're mature, and they are thinking that they're really deep in Christ, when in actuality they're living very selfishly. They're a divided church. They're an internally focused church, and they're a dying church, and they're also a church off mission. So Paul is really coming alongside encouraging them in ways, in practical ways, that will help them to be externally focused, to be a missional church, and to be a true Christ-like church. And so he says the first thing you've got to do is realize you've got a need to grow. And the truth of the matter is the Bible sets forth the idea that we will never be perfect in Christ in terms of being able to be sinless. We are not in, in the practice of Christianity able to become sinless. We will never be able to reach what's called sinless perfection. 
That is the beauty of the gospel, because part of the gospel that is often not even really embraced in the Southern Baptist tradition is the glorification of the body. That at the point of the return of Christ, we our bodies will be transformed in the twinkling of an eye and we will be made sinless. Our bodies will be renewed, not only physically so that I won't be the age I'm at now. I believe I'll be younger. I'll be more strong and healthy and we won't be deteriorating, but we will also be sinless. And that was what Paul was really excited about. That's what he looked forward to. He is saying, I'm not perfect in the practice of my Christianity, but at the fulfillment of the gospel, my humble body will be transformed and it's going to be incredible. And I'm running for that day. That's what he meant in verse 20 when he says in verse 20 and 21, for our citizenship is in heaven from which also we eagerly await for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll transform the body of our humble state. In other words, the human body we have now that is prone to be bent towards sin into conformity with the body of his glory. We're going to receive a glorified body. Folks, that's exciting. We should be excited about God just because one day we're going to get glorified bodies that are going to be incredible. And they're not they're physical bodies. And Paul was in his gospel, a fully orbed gospel, included this theology that there's a new heaven with glorified bodies. And he says they're going to be transformed by the exertion of the power that Christ has to subject all things to himself. And Paul was looking forward to the future. And he was looking forward to heaven because it involved not just. Uh, being, you know, in heaven, but it involved having a glorified body. Part of the prize of knowing that he was um, running toward was this idea that he was running toward a better future. And he wanted to give maximum effort. And so what he said was perfection is impossible. And in fact, he said that. Um, the more he ran closer to Christ, the more he realized he could not be perfect, not in terms of his practice of Christianity. But as he grew closer, he realized that, you know, the sin that was in him was ever present in his self-centeredness and his attitudes. And so today we need to embrace this idea that we need to grow in Christ. And I'm just going to tell you that this is an endemic problem to Southern cultural Christianity where people just come to church to knock it out and then move on in the rest of the day. You don't really see that outside the South. If you go to church in California, if you go to church in Colorado, the people that go there, they usually come because they are passionate about following Christ. And they don't have a, a tr- culture and a tradition like we do in the South of just going to church. And so we need to be sure that we don't have a a half-hearted attitude about our walk with the Lord. And I think um, it reminds me of when I was teaching high school at Hillcrest, and I would have students that would say, "I, I don't want to do anything extra to pass the class. I just want to get the bare minimum to get by. And I'd have students that said, you know, what, what do I have to do just to pass? But I don't want to do any more. And, if, and, and I remember one student, I gave him like a, you had to make a 60 to pass the class. And I gave him a 75 on an assignment and he got upset. He said, I've, I've worked way too hard on this. 
I'm putting out too much effort. I don't want to be a, a C student. He said, I want to be a D student. You know, our passion, and God forbid that we would have that attitude secretly in our hearts that I just want to give me a D Christian or a C Christian or a B Christian. Man, we ought to come to God and say, God, I want to get, I want to be an A plus Christian. And so we need to have that, that attitude as a starting point. And the problem, again, a lot of times would somebody might say, well, I've tried to grow in the past, but then I've been hurt. You know, I tried to get involved. I tried to do things for the Lord and, you may, or, and, and this might be, by the way, a sermon you want to ask somebody to listen to on our, online because they, they're likely you're not at church if you feel this way, sadly. But perhaps you're here today, and perhaps you're saying, you know, I'll, I'll kind of get halfway involved, but I don't want to get too close because when you get too involved, then the church will hurt you because the church is hurtful, uh, and, 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 and that's why I don't really want to get um, too dedicated to what's going on. So I would encourage you to see what he says at this point is a strategy to move forward and to press forward. And that's number two, press forward, forgiving and forgetting on a daily basis. Press forward, forgiving and forgetting on a daily basis. That is a that is a life changing principle right there. Verse 13, brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. This this perfect relationship with Christ. But one, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Emphasis on one thing. He was laser focused on not allowing the past to slow him down. And he came to the point where he realized, if I'm going to pursue God, then I have to learn to forgive and forget. I'm just going to... I'm going to tell you the, the, the essence of what I really want to communicate to you today through this text is this. If you're going to pursue God and live for the glory of God, you must become an expert at daily forgiving and forgetting. Paul had to forgive himself. And he did that not just in forgiving himself, but he did that through receiving the forgiveness of Christ and what Christ had done for him. This man had murdered Christians. And not only had he murdered Christians, but he had he had had a theology that was wholesale incorrect. All of what he believed and all of what he had trusted in for his own righteousness, he came to realize was incorrect. And he had actually gone out of um, Jerusalem on orders to capture Christians and bring them into um, the, the place of trial and root and. He was saved gloriously on the road to Damascus. So he had to forgive himself for his past, but even after he became a believer. You know, Romans chapter 7 is an interesting chapter. You may want to... Apparently really struggled even after he was saved. In Romans chapter 7, he says, For what I'm doing I do not understand, for I am, pra- I am not practicing what I would like to do. But I'm doing the very thing I hate. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. This is out of Romans 7. He was not a perfect Christian. And what the irony was, the closer he got to God, the more he realized his sinfulness. And that happens in our lives. And so it's both a frustration and an encouragement to the Christian who's been walking a long time who says, I cannot seem to get to the top of Mount Everest. 
You know, the closer I get to being able to get close to God, the more it seems like I'm struggling with certain sins in my life. Because the closer we get to God, the more we, because of His holiness, the more we realize our unholiness. And how a lot of times what we are struggling with may not even be something that can be seen, but it's our attitudes. It's our actions. And so Paul had to learn to forgive himself, but he never, ever used grace as a license to sin. He never said, because of the cross of Christ, I can sin at will. And... and, he forgave and forget and was able to forget his past, but he didn't use that to his advantage to sin. So he had to learn to forgive himself first. And I'm telling this, there's somebody here that may need to hear that today. That's a, what Paul had to walk through, and it's in Scripture so that you can do the same thing. But he also had to learn how to forgive other people. This man, everywhere he went, people attacked him. He was attacked inside the church and outside the church. He was a very uh, public figure, so wherever Paul went, people um, either said things about him, and even in writing this letter, he was in a Philippian jail for preaching. And he had learned how to forgive those who had offended him, and to forgive like Christ. And I just want to encourage you today, the only way that you can forgive somebody who has hurt you, that has not come to you and, and sought your own forgiveness, is by saying, I'm going to forgive them the way Jesus forgives me when I sin against him. The, the power of forgiveness is in the grace that you receive from your own forgiveness through your sin. And I've had a lot, I mean, I'm telling you that there are many, many people in the church that struggle with forgiving other people for hurting them. And the power of forgiving people who have hurt you, who will not come to you and ask for your forgiveness and seek out your forgiveness, is in the cross of Christ. You have to learn to forgive people even when they don't come to you. And you have to forget about it. It's forgiving and forgetting. It's not just one or the other, but it's both and. You've got to forgive and move on. You've got to forget. One of the most impactful things that happened to me uh, in the military, you know, it's just a strange thing that this would happen this way. But I, but this is what happened. I was in a unit, and we had um, a, like a chaplain in our unit that was pretty aggressive. And he went out and found this man who had fought in Vietnam in the Marine Corps. And some of y'all may have heard this man speak. His name is Cleve McClary. He's got to be getting pretty old now because uh, he, you know, he was pretty old then. But as a young officer in the Marine Corps, he went to Vietnam, and while he was in Vietnam, he was in a firefight, and he lost an eye, he lost an arm, he, he was almost uh, completely uh, amputated in the legs, and he spent two and a half years in the hospital, had 40 surgeries, but he, was a, he became a Christian, and in his life, he talks about how the, the life experience of people is often like we're scarred and we're wounded in battle, the battle of life. And so even though we may not be walking around with physical wounds like a soldier, we're wounded in life by other people and what they've done to us through their free will decisions. 
And so what Cleve McClary, as a Christian, realized that, you know, and he basically preached to these Air Force officers and said, you've got to come to Christ first, because if you're not a Christian, you'll never have the power to forgive that comes through the cross. And so if you're trying to just forgive and forget and just man up or woman up or cowboy up or cowgirl up, it's not going to happen. Not not in any deep, profound, inner core way. And so he 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 came to our unit and basically just laid out an invitation to all these guys in my fighter squadron. And I remember it profoundly today, but he was very clear. But he said that his life motto was what he called Fido, F-I-D-O. And he had an old pickup truck. He was kind of a redneck, which is, I really liked. He was from South Carolina, and he was a Marine, like I said, a Marine second lieutenant when he was injured. And he drove this old pickup truck, and on the front license plate it said F-I-D-O. And it stood for forget it and drive on. And he just said, look, he, got, he, you know, he said, all of us are wounded. And he said, well, you know, as it, you come to Christ, you get your sins forgiven at the cross, what Jesus did for you, and then you've got to look at your own life and forget it, your pain and drive on. You've got to forget it and drive on. And that's exactly what Paul said in verse 13, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. You can't run life by looking over your shoulders and dwelling on people who have hurt you. And so what you've got to do this morning at the altar is come and say, I'm seeking, Lord, to just forgive them in my heart and move on in life. I'm just going to forgive them. And I mean, and I want to emphasize daily because this may be something that you may deal with today, you can sit there where you're at and nobody ever know that you're forgiving people that have offended you and hurt you deeply and done things to you, and they're never going to come to you and ask for forgiveness. And you may get right with God today and say, God, I, I, it's okay that this has happened in my life. I consent to they are humans with free will decisions, and they have offended me and hurt me and crushed my spirit, and I forgive them profoundly today for your glory and honor and I want to run towards you and you may deal with this and you may find this week you've got to do it all over again that's why I intentionally wrote that word daily in there I mean there's people in my life that have done this to me I'm speaking from experience here and I and I I still will see them and I'll still have to go back to my knees and ask the Lord to help me to have the strength to forgive them again for what they've done to me or done to somebody else I love that I see the pain they've brought in their life. So we have to do this more than once in many cases. But today, somebody needs to hear this. Forget it and drive on. You've got to forgive and forget and drive on in life if you're going to run for the glory of God. And you've got to also do a third thing, and that's the... Item number three on your list there, to press deeper into your faith walk, you've got to press forward for your real eternal benefits from a faithful life on this earth. You know, Paul's focus was on eternity. He just reasoned, we get a, a, let's say we get a hundred years on this earth and we get a, a hundred trillion years plus in eternity. I think I want to weigh the emphasis on the eternal aspect of life and that was his orientation i mean look at verse 7 you know verse again 21 says excuse me verse 20 says our citizens our citizenship is in heaven 
And then in verse 17, he says, I want you to join me, follow my example, observe the pattern of life. He was calling people to have an eternal focus. You know, the problem we have, we were talking about this in staff this week. We think we really don't look forward to heaven because we kind of view it like church. Like you're kind of looking forward to getting out of church today. Like, you know, we're going to eventually wrap this up. But if it went on for like a million trillion years, we probably wouldn't really like that. That's not what heaven's going to be like. We, we think that heaven's going to be floating around on clouds. And most guys especially are like going, I'd rather go fishing. Uh, heaven is not going to be like that. That's why Paul was so interested in a glorified body. Heaven is going to be as real as where you're sitting right now without sin, without darkness, without unrighteousness. Heaven is the kingdom of, of God. We're going to be able to see the glory of God's presence and we're going to see the Lord Jesus Christ with our eyes. That was the prize that he wanted to be oriented to. And believe it or not, you're going to have responsibilities and things to do. And your rewards as a Christian are going to be based on your faithfulness today. We are not rewarded for salvation as Christians. We're saved by grace, but our rewards are based on how we steward our lives. Do I believe that there will be different rewards for different believers? You better believe it. Absolutely. There was a real prize to live for. And as Paul was oriented toward that, he just didn't want to have any regrets. He said, I'm going to run facing forward so I won't have any regrets when I get to eternity. And for 2,000 years, he's not been regretting his decision. And notice how this outlook, it gets our eyes off of insignificant things. And that's really part of his strategy. He's saying, keep the big picture in mind so that it would mitigate the division that's really in the church over things that are less important. That brings us to the fourth way to press forward with Christ. Number four, press forward focusing on the vital need of unity for Ridgecrest here and now. You've got to keep in mind that this letter was written to a divided church. It was not written to individuals. This is probably the most claimed book of the Bible in terms of favorite Bible verses for people that can't find another verse of Scripture because they don't ever go to church. But it was actually written not to individuals, but to the church. And it was a divided church. And Paul's remedy for that division was spiritual maturity. In verse 15, he says, let us therefore as many... As are perfect. The word perfect is used intentionally, but it really means mature. He's saying you're perfect positionally in Christ, not in practice. But if you're really a mature Christian, if you if you really are mature in Christ, then you will have the, the ability to see what I'm saying makes sense. And it resonates with you by implication. If, if you're not interested in this, it's a warning sign that you're an immature Christian. He was calling for the church to be on mission and to be unified around these, the bigger picture of living for the glory of God and running for the prize of knowing Christ and doing all you can for his future kingdom. And so that, that was his solution to unity. But then he gives a final way in number five. He said the last way, press forward, founded upon the daily rededication of all that you are in Christ. 
Verse 16, he said, however, let us keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. Folks, there's nothing new under the sun. What Paul was saying is be faithful to what has got you to this place and don't look, always be looking for just something new in Christianity. But remember the basics of the word of God. Faithfulness, he said, follow my example, what Paul believed we should believe what Paul taught. We should teach what Paul lived by. We should live by the word of God, church attendance, church service. And then most importantly, the, the, every day you should wake up and you should basically preach a sermon to yourself saying, I am in Christ today. I am uh, rededicating my life. People, you know. Ask me, do you believe in rededication of your life? And I, I say, absolutely. Every morning when you wake up, you say, self, you're a follower of Christ. That means that Jesus is your personal Lord and your Savior, that he went to the cross and he bought you through the blood of his death at the cross. And that you'll have to give an account of him for how you've lived your life out. And you'll stand before him at the judgment seat of Christ to give account for your stewardship. Today, I'm a Christian. Today, I'm a follower of Christ. And I look to him and put my eyes on him as the author and finisher of my faith today. To be faithful today. And so as we look at these five ways and we close today, I want us just to ask the question, what do we need to do about this? And. We hope this message will help you in your spiritual walk and growth. For more about Ridgecrest, please visit us on the web at www.rbc-tuscaloosa.com. Have a great day and God bless.